Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 34, recorded on Sunday, the 23rd of March, at 10 minutes past 8 in the evening. So, hello and welcome to the show again. There'll be uh, a bit less moaning about the mundane things in life today, because I've got a little bit to talk about genre-wise, so I'll just whiz through a quick bit of news. The first item is, uh, I'm actually only down, I'm now down to watching only three shows. I'm watching The Big Bang Theory, The Walking Dead, and of course I'll be scheduled to be watching the upcoming Game of Thrones which we'll talk about in a bit. And of course, having more spare time means I can read a few books. I've been having a bit of trouble reading, finishing books lately, which is a strange thing. In the last year I've, I've read very little uh, now that I'm writing. But now that I've cut down on TV, I've found that I, I have a bit more energy to finish some of the books that I wanted to read. And I'll be talking about them as I finish them. Uh, so that's the only news I have this week. And straight on to TV. So the big news is that Game of Thrones Season 4 starts on the 6th or 7th of April in the UK, depending on where on the web uh, you're looking for, for airing dates. A trailer has just come out a day, I think a day ago, so I'll just play that for you now. So here we go. Trailer number four for Game of Season, uh, sorry, Game of Seasons, Game of Thrones Season 4. Your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, and you'll know the debt is paid. Sooner or later, the sensei always gets what she wants. Let the priests argue over good and evil. They can live in my new world. Or they can die in their old one. The Starks have always ruled the North. If they're alive, the country will rally to their side. But Arya Stark hasn't been seen since her father was killed. I'll find her. This isn't the end. You need to make it. So that, that's the first time that I've seen that trailer. I saved it for the podcast. And it does look pretty exciting, which which isn't that surprising. But the, the music, what was that? An indie cover of In Excess's Devil Inside? It, it sounds better than the original. Uh, oh, it's completely irrelevant, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. 
So now we get to the main part of the show where I continue with the Doctor Who marathon. So last week we saw An Unearthly Child, which was the first ever Doctor Who adventure, shown in 1963, and this is the second one. So... Again, we're with the first Doctor. It's Series 1, Adventure 1. Oh, sorry, Adventure 2. And it's the Daleks. Originally broadcast from the 21st of December 1963 to the 1st of February 1964. And the writer this time is the amazing Terry Nation. Director Christopher Barry, producer Verity Lambert, the cast as usual, William Hartnell as the Doctor, Carol Ann Ford as Susan Foreman, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright, and William Russell as Ian Chesterton, or as the Doctor sometimes gets wrong, Ian Chesterfield. And introducing this week the voices of the Daleks, David Graham and Peter Hawkins. So in this seven-part adventure, well, I'll start off from the end of The Unearthly Child, which we talked about last week. So at the end of that, the Doctor failed to get Barbara and Ian back home and showed that he has a difficult time controlling the TARDIS. And it's now starting to dawn on Ian that the Doctor probably can't get them home, and they may be stuck with him for some time. So, with the TARDIS still malfunctioning, the Doctor, Susan, Barbara and Ian arrive on a dusty, dead-looking planet. After a bit of exploration, they find a, an amazing-looking futuristic city. The Doctor, of course, wants to explore, but Ian disagrees and they head back to the TARDIS. However, the Doctor sabotages the TARDIS, but disguises his sabotage as a mal malfunction of something called the Fluid Link which is a small device, a few inches long, that apparently needs mercury to run, and he says that the fluid link has run out of mercury, and the only place to find it is, of course, in that city that Ian didn't let him explore. So, understandably suspicious, but dependent on the Doctor, they go down into the city. And in the city, that's where they encounter, the, well, the first ever encounter with the Daleks. Now, later on, they come into contact with another race called the Thals. These are an ancient enemy of the Daleks who know the Daleks as the Dal Dals, D-A-L-S, D-A-L-S. <laughs> and what's interesting is 
they haven't yet they're not yet calling the Dalek the, the ancestors of the Daleks the Carlheads which is Dalek backwards so that must have been retconned later on at this stage they're just called the Dolls which kind of made sense Thals and Dolls anyway it's revealed that there was a nuclear war sometime in the planet's past using neutron bombs. The war was between the scientific Dals, who are now the Daleks, and the warlike Thals. The war has destroyed most life on the planet, though the Thals, now peaceful farmers, want peace. The Daleks are intent on genocide to destroy the remnants of the Thal race. And I'll play you a little clip here so you get an idea of that. At the moment, the Doctor, Susan and two Thals are plotting together or, or trying to work out something. And so, have a listen. I knew it would stick a good bit. We must try it, my friends. Yes, we must. Yes. I wish I knew what they were planning for us. giving too much away the, doct the Doctor and the Thals need two things they, they either need to make peace with the Daleks or, or at the very least they need to get mercury for that, fuel, uh, for that fluid link so the Doctor and his companions can escape now, as I said before, the Daleks want to destroy the Thal race and irradiate the planet. And this is for a twofold reason. So, first of all, the Daleks believe that to leave the city they need a anti-radiation drug that only the Thals have. But what happens is, when they try this drug, is that they find out that, it, that the drug is poisonous to them. And what they actually need to thrive is radiation. So the solution is to re-irradiate the planet with a neutron bomb, kill the Thals, and allow them to leave their city. Because... Like I said before, they need the radiation to survive. So 
So as you heard from that clip, it turns out that they can't actually ignite the neutron bomb. And they decide that the thing they can do is overload their nuclear reactor. So I, th I think that's all I can reveal without getting far too much into the plot and giving the whole thing away so that you don't actually want to go and watch it. So while all this is going on, the Doctor decides that they can't do anything to help the Thals and they should leave them to their fate. But Ian has had the TARDIS fluid link confiscated by the Daleks and so they must return to the city. They do this by convincing the Thals that attacking the Daleks is in the Thals' interest. There's an ensuing battle, and the fluid link is found, and the companions finally get to the TARDIS. But again, the TARDIS malfunctions, but this time quite badly and there's an explosion. Now, sorry to be vague in some points, I haven't watched the whole thing, but it's very easy just to uh, parrot out the entire plot. And what would be really good if, is if you guys actually went out and watched this. Come to think of it, I think I saw the uh, entire box set in... I don't know, was it HMV? Does HMV still look? Yeah, I think it was HMV. And it was about £50. So that's the entire box set of Doctor Who from the, the whole series. I can't remember if it includes Matt Smith. Um, let's just have a quick look. Wow, actually I'm wrong. I'm sorry about that. I, I've had a look on Amazon. And the Doctor Who complete box set 1 to 7 on Blu-ray. So that's including, well, everyone from William Hartnell to Matt Smith, 2013, is £187.25. So maybe um, a combined Christmas, birthday... Easter, Chinese New Year, Diwali present, all, all rolled into one, all start saving. So, so yeah, a, a much more dramatic adventure than an unearthly child and more science fiction than historic. So what did I think? The one thing I'm, that struck me is, well, so far, it's only been two adventures, but this early Doctor eventually does seem to make the moral choice. But it's not because he wants to 
rather that his survival usually depends on it than it's just a happy coincidence. Altogether, he's, he's really not a nice doctor. Specific to this particular adventure, the far race all look like models. <laughs> um, and the Daleks all look ghastly. Or, or the, the one Dalek that you do manage to see when they, well, shell him, I suppose. Not with a nutcracker or anything, but a little catch at the back of the, the robot casing. And they scoop the, the thing that's inside out. And I think that's on purpose. It's trying to show you the contrast between the city-dwelling, high-tech people who, who you would have thought have evolved further along, but actually it's the people outside the dome who have turned their back on war that seem to have developed in a more favourable direction. The planet Scaro is fairly scarred and bleak in places, as would befit a world that's undergone nuclear holocaust. Except for the city of the Daleks, which is quite Buck Rogers, and the forest dwelling places of the Thals, which is, I suppose, vaguely Eden-like, to show the two contrasts between the hard, cold, high-tech and the warm, soft, organic of the Thals. Another thing that we see in this adventure is a little bit more of TARDIS tech. Now, apart from the quite silly fluid link thingy, we do see a food replicator. There's just part of the, uh, one of the episodes where they all get a bit hungry, uh, so the Doctor programs the food replicator thing, which looks a lot more low-tech than um, Star Trek, but they were on a lower budget. And, well, that's the point I was trying to make, that this is a few years before Star Trek, the food replicator appears, but there's, I'm sure that's not a new idea. I, I'm, I'm guessing it might have been on, on films like Forbidden Planet before that. So. so that's just some general points about the adventure. Now, some of the good things that I thought were good. Well, I mean, the, the first thing is this, this adventure is where you can really say, well, doc, this is Doctor Who, this is the Doctor Who we know, Doctor Who has arrived. And this is obviously due to Terry Nation showing that this was what he was born to do, not comedy, which is where he started, but science fiction. He would, many years later, also create the fantastic Blake Seven, which is one of my all-time favourite 
shows, as I keep banging on about in just about anywhere I can, on the blog and in, in many of my podcasts. So, all hail Terry Nation! Also, and yeah, I, I, I'd call this a good thing, the Doctor is still delightfully willful and devious. The impression I get is that he is very like the Master, except the outright malevolence of the Master is replaced by an almost obsessive curiosity. The curiosity of the scientist, one would suppose. And again, although this adventure, like the first one, is aimed at children, there were some admirably grown-up themes discussed, including atomic war and genocide. Now, I think these are relevant topics for the early 60s, and they would be for a good 20-plus years until the fall of the Iron Curtain in the 1980s. I certainly remember growing up with the spectre of nuclear apocalypse hanging over your, our heads. So, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say, while it's not a good idea to scare children, it probably is a good idea to keep them informed about what's going on and what the hazards are. I'm, I'm sure programmes like this spurned quite a lot of anti-nuclear protesters. So, bad points. The one thing that did annoy me was the constantly frightened females always needing rescuing. This is more a product of the social mores of the time, but still it is incredibly annoying. And I'm guessing that the character of Ian Chesterton was supposed to be the typical alpha male of the time, and possibly still the alpha male ideal, square-jawed, brave hero of today. And that annoys me too, which is probably why I quite like this Doctor, who is almost the diametric opposite of Ian Chesterton. Another thing that, that, if pressed, I could perhaps moan about was it seems like the actors are still finding their feet with the characters, but that's only to be expected with a brand new series, so I would rate this as overall quite excellent. The other thing I... The seven-part series, it felt, and I feel a bit ashamed to say this, but it felt a little padded out. I'm wondering if they couldn't have done this in maybe five episodes. 
I'm pretty sure you'd need slightly longer than an Unearthly Child, which was four episodes, but I think five would have been about the right amount. I'm guessing the reason that it was set out like that is each episode seems to be only about 20 minutes long with a tiny bit of, well, the, you've got the credits at both ends of the show and then you've got a little recap at the beginning and a little preview of next week at the end. So I suppose I've only got the odd 20 minutes to play with. But that, no, that still doesn't make sense. I, I don't know why they would have certain scenes that definitely feel padded out. Like there's a... Towards the end of the adventure, there's a long trek from the jungle, the Thal's jungle homes, home, to the lakes near the Dalek city, and then through underground caverns. And this thing, this journey seems to take forever. So yeah, it does feel a bit padded out, I'd say. But still, overall, a really good adventure. And definitely a flavour of good things to come. So that's part two of the Doctor Who Marathon. And our first look at the Daleks. I'm not even sure what next week, what adventure we've got next week, because I haven't done any cheating, haven't looked, so not a clue really. Could have a look now. Oh, there appears to be a two-parter called The Edge of Destruction. Can't even remember back that, to, to seeing that. I must admit, when, I, when I've watched Doctor Who on TV, I barely paid attention to the titles. So I'll probably have to watch a little bit to know what I'm talking about. So I can talk about that next week. So that's it for Doctor Who this week. And nothing else to talk about apart from a little bit of after-show stuff. Um, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, you can expect some talk about books soon because I have a little more time now that I'm not watching as much television. And when I mean book reviews, I don't mean full hour-long me going on and on about one particular book. I'm talking more of mini book reviews and a general overview and what I thought particularly uh, particular books I'd like to get round to. I'll just race few, through a few books that I've wanted to read for a while. So, for example, next week we'll look at Adam Roberts' Jack Glass that I finished today. This morning, in fact. And it's interesting, you know, uh, now that I'm not watching TV, I'll, I'll give you an example. There, there are books that I've picked up maybe a month ago and have read maybe the first few chapters and then have just stalled because there's something on TV or there's a film or, uh, you know, I can't really blame it on work because, um, 
you can always do with a, a welcome break from work, but it's not work, it's television. That's what's eating up all the time. So next week, yeah, look forward to a little mini-review of Adam Roberts' Jack Glass, which is a fairly recent book. Oh, yeah, and the, the point I was trying to make about that book, Jack Glass, is I actually took it out of the library on, let's see, so today, uh, yesterday, I took it out yesterday, it's a fairly thick book, and it only took me one day to read, and I haven't been able to do that f for maybe a year, and that's just by eliminating most of my TV. And it's not that I'm going on some kind of strict no-TV diet. It's just I've got so much to do, and I've now that I've had free sat for a while and a friend with just about every channel you can think of, whenever I need it, or whenever I can drive down there anyway, and I've gone through that period, that honeymoon period, where you just want to watch everything, I'm now at the stage where I've seen things a few times round, and I, I'm just, I think I've, I've just had a glut of it, and I don't need to, I don't need to have that panicky feeling that I'm going to miss anything, because I'm not, I've just got easy access to everything. So, yeah, that's my advice. Well, maybe not to you. Maybe you've got better self-control than me. But it took me a good few months to get that out of my system. But I'm okay now. And <laughs> I can now read books again. Okay, so thanks for listening to the show. This was episode 34 of Roy's Rocket Radio. Recorded on Sunday, the 23rd of March, 2014. And as the show draws to a close, the time is coming up to... or oh, it's just gone past... Let's see. 8.42 and 25 seconds in the evening. So thanks for listening to the show. Good night. See you next time. Bye.